ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Diet Time is here. That's right, we're talking Nightmare on Elm Street on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from good old 1428 Elm Street. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And we're going to unpack all the gory details of 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street in the hopes that a teenage dreamer's end is just the beginning of the jokes that we might make about them. And as always, there's only one person I trust to wake me up if I'm trying to lure a sleep demon into my trap, the one and only... Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? Well, very appropriate for the uh, the subject matter. I am exhausted. <laughs> I, I know. I, I need some stay awake pills. I need a bottle <laughs> of, of medica- over the counter sleep medication that says stay awake in very large text on the on the label. No, mm. my 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 day job uh, has been driving me into the ground and in, into the shale underneath the ground and, and out the other side. I'm very, very, very tired. Well, I am sorry about that, but we need to rally. We need to put some a coffee maker in our closet and get to work because there's a lot to do. There are people being knocked off left and right. We've got one funeral to attend and one body that apparently will never be buried. There's a lot to talk about. I, I'm ready. I, I have my eyes taped open. I, I'm ready. <laughs> Excellent. I could always call Charles Fleischer. He might have an injection for you. <laughs> Wonderful. Whatever, <laughs> whatever it takes. Well, hopefully this might be a shock to your system. I don't want to alarm you, Gina, but we are not alone. That's right. We have a special guest. She's an actor, a burlesque performer, and a horror bon vivant. The one, the only, Alyssa Wagner. How are you doing? Hello. I am doing great. How are Wonderful. you? Oh, I'm so happy that you are here with us. You were recommended to us by a great many of the, you Aww. know, L.A. horror Illuminati. Well. The sort of uh, <laughs> undercurrent of horror lovers in town. They they all talk, they all gossip, they all know one another because they've all lost to one or two people at horror trivia. Oh, uh, yeah. And by, you know, recommend, you mean bribed, right? There was money involved. <laughs> yes. <They, laughs> to they, get me on here. <laughs> they slid a five under my table. That's and, what I thought. Yeah. And there's a post-it note attached to it and said, you got to have Alyssa on the podcast. And I said, that sounds great. Um, That's how I get all my acting work. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever works, whatever greases the wheels in this berg. So we have a tradition here on the Kill by Kill podcast. We like to ask our guests, you know, where was the first time you encountered the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise? So, oh, I can't tell you how excited I am to talk about that. First of all, I love the podcast so much. It gets me through traffic. And I got through Friday the 13th, which is my comfort food. And Mm -hmm. now we move on to my familial baby, which is Nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) I grew up with the series. Um, My mom actually helped out part time at the Albertsons video rental when they had the videotapes. Mm -hmm. And she would take a bunch of tapes home with her. So I got the pleasure of discovering horror movie video VHS covers as a kid. Yes. So I 
thought that the cover for uh, Dream Warriors, Dream Master, and particularly Dream Child scared the bejesus out of me. It made me <laughs> so uncomfortable. I can't even describe it. And because of that, I, you know, thought it was a great idea for what pre 10 year old me to just pop in the VHSs and start watching because <laughs> my mom apparently was not around. I don't know how that happened, but it did. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my fondest memory um, is Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, actually. So I got the VHS box set for Christmas one year and it was the best gift I ever received. And on Christmas Day, I decided I wanted to have a marathon and I got to the part where Rod, um, Nancy catches Rod or uh, he pulls her in the bushes and he's like, I'm not fucking like, uh, I'll fucking kill you like that part. <laughs> yeah. And my mom walks in and she goes, Lisa, what are you watching? And I started crying because she turned it off and I said, it's the gift you gave me. <laughs> and then she didn't have a response. But since then... I thought it was the crudest, most rebellious thing in the world. And so I made it tr a tradition to have every sick day, because I was a sick child, having marathons of the VHS tapes and having to rewind them and spend like 10 hours doing it all over again. So, And it sounds like it didn't <laughs> damage you at all, which is great. Well, I my claim to fame is uh, winning Nightmare on Elm Street trivia. So <laughs> that's a highlight of my life, apparently. Excellent. I That's wonderful. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't think of anyone better to, to get us through this particular portion of the movie. Why don't we catch everyone up before we get right back into it? Let's let's tell everybody who's still left alive at this point in the movie. Almost everyone. <laughs> um, we have Nancy Thompson. Uh, her hair may bounce and behave, but she wants to rebel. And then we have her sort of boyfriend, Glenn. Inside that pale purple sweater vest beats the heart of someone willing to wear all sorts of muted tones. And we have Nancy's mom. She's a real estate agent by day and drunk by 2.30. <laughs> and of course, we have Nancy's dad, Lieutenant Thompson. He's played by John fucking Saxon. So what else do you need to know about him? Oh, nothing. No, he, he just, and then of course he, he just spends the whole movie so looking like his his skull is going to split open through his forehead, just like <laughs> like he just looks very intense all the time. Uh, I've never seen someone attempt to smoke and fail at it. It was such veracity. Like he's really going for it. And then finally he's like, fuck, I can't even get in a puff in. And he just slams it into the, into the <laughs> ashtray. He's so angry and, and, and perturbed by what's happening here. He's very intense. Yes. And I love that about him. It, it seems like, it seems like he might live at the precinct house. Uh, he might not have an apartment of his own, which is could be why Nancy is still living with her alcoholic mom. I, I think he has like a, like a cot in his in his station office. <laughs> I would yeah. not doubt that actually. So he's kind of doing the whores bath in the men's room. Yeah, with the with the with the hot, with the, with the hot plate and the you, know, you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps sign and. <laughs> Oh, my God. He is ruining that staff room microwave with all sorts of terrible oh. microwave dinners. He's just, oh. burning, he's just burning popcorn left and right. <laughs> oh but God. he's got a wonderful smolder. So <laughs> he does. That's what matters. I, I Listen, if he could take the, the his foot off the gas of his smolder, he might find a lucky lady one of these days. Uh, but it won't be during this portion of the podcast, unfortunately. Uh, but to round everything out, of course, we have Rod hot rod lane no haircut is too high no v is too deep 
Uh, last episode, uh, Gina described him as a lost sweat hog. And now <laughs> all I can think about is Rod referring to Freddy as Mr. Kruger. <laughs> Kruger. Well, the, in this in this segment, he's a little he's a little, you know, he's a little calmed down. He, he's kind of more, uh, you know, withdrawn. And I, I almost got a little bit of an Oscar Isaac thing going on. And and mm-hmm. and, and I'm wondering, I haven't seen the I haven't seen the remake. You're, you're going to make me watch it at some point. Oh my I'm, God, I'm aware of this. <laughs> are all the are all the characters like are they the same characters or are they all new characters? I mm. don't, I don't even remember. Because I was going to say, would it because uh, if if Rod is still Rod, would it have made the movie any better if it had been a pre Ex Machina, pre uh, The Force Awakens? Oscar Isaac. Oh, I think Oscar Isaac brightens up anything. He's like a bitters in your drink. He just <laughs> he makes the elements come alive more. I mean, he's in that that terrible uh, sucker punch movie, and his mustache is the only thing I remember about it, other than hating it. I didn't even know he was in that. Oh, yeah, he yes, he's in it, and I, I, the whole time I'm like, well, that guy is. So much better than everything else that is happening in this stupid, stupid movie that I'm watching. And lo and behold, he's a movie star now. (laughs) That's what happens when you're in these not so great movies. You become movie stars. This is true. Rod is supposed to be the bad boy here, but he spends most of it sweating. Uh, If you watch the awesome documentary Never Sleep Again, he actually talks about that scene in the jail cell with her and why he was sweating so much is because that he was at that moment on drugs that he would not name. So he he actually legitimately took drugs in that moment and he said that he hated his life and it was shit and it was very depressing. But it makes sense. If you look at him, it makes sense why he's so sweaty and subdued because in his words, he's like, that's real sweat. Like, it's not makeup. Oh, it doesn't look fake. That yeah. was never the problem. <laughs> only now it's like the guessing game of what were you on, which I could <laughs> only imagine. But, you know. No, it, he looks like a mop who's he's been dunked <laughs> in the water. And no oh, one's God. twisted it out of him yet. Oh, he, he looks being so close to him in a scene. Oh. Oh. Say he looks like oh. he's trying to 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 land a plane directed by Robert Stack. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Man, he picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. This is not the movie. <laughs> and of course, uh, no longer alive, but still very much a part of this is Freddy. He's still dead. He died years ago, actually. And I'm not sure why anyone is still talking about this dead man. He can't possibly affect the rest of the plot of this movie. Mm-hmm. Let's just leave it be and walk away from this conversation, never discussing it again. So. We rejoin the action with Nancy's realization that if you burn the outside of your arm in your dreams, the burn will appear on the inside of your arm in reality. So basically, it's like continuity error, but I don't care uh, if anyone mentioned it already anyways. It's it's just a weird thing. Who fucking cares? Let, let's re- let's, re- let's pretend it's a mirror universe. But that, I mean, I feel like that could be a plausible way to get over well, way around that, but it was obviously a continuity error. But yeah, it's I, I think a, a B unit shot the actual arm and they didn't get the memo where the person was supposed to smack your arm into it. So 
But like, if you have a burn that big, I'm sorry, but I curl my hair a fraction of a second. It would drop on my neck or my finger and I'm crying for 10 hours. <laughs> if I had a burn that big, that's all I'd be thinking about. And the movie would be done because I would just be like, take me to the hospital. I'm done. I'm the baby. <laughs> like she just notices it because she sees it. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be like just hurt. grabbing my arm, just screaming and falling down. The end just cuts to black. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that was horrifying. Well, <laughs> Freddie's just sitting back, like, "Well, that was easy." <laughs> She's done. I thought this would be hard, but okay. He like, kind of <laughs> looks at the camera, like looks around, like the GIF of John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, where he just kind of like, okay. like waters him, looks <laughs> <It's> around. Just... <laughs> Please, oh, God. someone in our audience, make a GIF of Freddie oh. walking around like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, not sure what to do. I that would be that lovely. Happened. <laughs> oh my god please somebody somebody i'm begging you <laughs> i'm not sure what i could give you but i'll give you something we'll talk oh. about you a lot on an episode we will raise your names to the heaven if you make that happen <laughs> okay so let's cut to jail we briefly talked about this but let's go through some of the details here nancy goes to visit rod and the clink uh, Ron's still wearing that boss leather jacket while in custody, which seems like a bad idea yeah. for a number of reasons. They take his shoelaces in, in in jail. I don't think they're going to let him keep his his cool Fonzie jacket. Not only does he keep his cool Fonzie jacket, like the ba- like the bathroom is his office, but he's regained his shoes. Where, why did they give Where him did they shoes? Find him shoes. <laughs> they went out of their way to give him shoes. So they're making him comfortable while he's in this cell. That's <laughs> why well, you don't want to be on the cold cement. That would be cruel and unusual punishment. By the way, uh, I <laughs> we we talked about it briefly, but he is sweating like he's in a cocaine sauna. So I'm watching the clip on silent, and it's worse than I ever thought it was like <laughs> after seeing that interview and seeing this it looks like a spray bottle actually sprayed him and to know that that's real like, what were you doing how did like, Wes just be like oh it looks fine okay. somebody, can somebody just you mop this kid's forehead off please <laughs> and I mean Nancy give him a, a towel or something he needs like he's desperate like a, he needs like a like a like a like a like a Louis John sweatband or something. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's getting physical, physical, and he's not doing anything. <laughs> Secondly, um, this is very important here. Rod is still covered in Tina's blood. When he puts his hands on the bars, his knuckles are covered in blood. What the fuck is so happening here? They gave him shoes, but they didn't let him wipe his blood off. <laughs> the blood they, off. They would, they, you would need to process some of these things. This makes Elm Street PD's procedures right in line with Crystal Lake CSI, who oh. pick up an axe buried in Jason's forehead with their bare hands, and <laughs> then they put it in a plastic bag. Oh, this is how you get child murderers set free. This, right here. Oh. They, they did not take... Freddy Krueger's example as a learning opportunity. Nancy quizzes Rod about Tina's death and Rod reveals that Tina was cut by what looked like four razors all at once, just like the nightmare he had the night before. Bum, bum, bum! What? I'd be freaking out quite a bit at that point. You know, it's still not hit it to everybody like, oh, it must be a coincidence. We're all dreaming of the same guy. 
It's just, it seems like it dawns on them a little bit later on than it should. Well, like, I think it's, it sounds fucking outrageous. I mean, I will it, give it Heather Langenkamp this much, particularly in this section of the movie. She's being asked to make a lot of crazy realizations and her eyes bug out really well. Like she's good at it. Well, it's too bad she didn't realize what those pants looked like. Am I right? Because those pants are something that she's wearing. But that's not her fault. Is she on a cruise in the 1940s and she's a silver screen star? The only thing missing from the looseness of those outfits is a turban. Yeah, she makes some interesting sartorial choices in 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 she she kind of dresses you know occasionally like a normal teenager and then also like a christian camp counselor (laughs) it's kind of like hitting you over the head oh i'm the final girl i'm the good girl so i'm covering up and being poofy it's not like tina walks around in hot pants she's not on display 24 7 i mean as ribald as she gets is a nightgown that you can happen to see through because of backlighting and some shorts that People today would not give a second glance at. She's, I mean, she's not really the bad girl either. It's just that for whatever reason, they decided to dress her in sizes a good two to three bigger than her actual body is. Lots of light pinks, pale pinks. She's one head wrap away from being the little brother in a Christmas story where he can't put his arms down. Oh, maybe that's what they were going for. They just loved it so much. That's right. It was was all the rage at the time. (laughs) So cut to Nancy's bubble bath. And this is a very deep tub, uh, especially for a California shower tub combination. All I'm saying is I know the gag is that she's actually standing up and everything so that you can do the other parts of it, but she's up to her chin in this water. And that's not really how deep that tub is. I would give anything to be able to be that deep in a tub. I have to like hang outside. Like I'm a giant and it's, it would be lovely to be able to take a bath like that. (laughs) We got a specific tub in order to actually take a bath as an adult. And it took six extra weeks because people are like, you want that? Yes. Yes. I want a bathtub for fuck's sake. I'd like to be able to have all of my limbs inside. I want some like Mary Poppins return shit. I just want to like, I just (laughs) want to like fall in backwards and just like, you know, not emerge for like several hours. Could you do that? Could you, could you saw that gag where it's like a slide I and abs- you go down backwards? 100% hell yes. Get me one of those right now. <laughs> that scares the fuck out of me every time I see it pop up on Twitter. I love it. I it makes me it makes me remin- five times it makes me reminisce for the times before my 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 knees got old and shitty and I would go to like the water park all the time. Ugh, I miss those days. <laughs> Can't do those anymore. Uh, I, Your knees would be like, the fuck you doing to us? <laughs> <laughs> In the last episode, Gina recalled how the wall Freddy gag was a repeat of something in Deadly Blessing. Well, lo and behold, so is this tub sequence. In in the uh, Deadly Blessing film, it's Battlestar Galactica's Marin Jensen, who's surprised in a tub by a deadly snake. Here, Craven basically steals that sequence shot for shot. Only the very phallic snake is replaced by Freddy's feminine razor glove. I'm saying that right. It's very feminine. It is. And, and, and he, he kind of delicately raises his hand out like, 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 I'm just kind of 
feeling around, see if anything's there. <laughs> Trying not to wake her. Yeah. <laughs> Very gentle. You know, it's almost like, you know, kind of the, the you know, the move where someone licks their finger and, and like holds it up to the wind to see how windy it is. It's a little bit like that. <laughs> and all I'm, I, and, and you know, since I'm watching these things, you know, for this podcast with a much closer eye than I normally would have used to, all I could think is how heavy is that sweater? It's just, oh just God, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's already, you know, like just this big old thrift shop sweater I mean, it must be just hanging off of him. It's if it was wet, right you, you would barely be able to walk. <laughs> like his, his, coll- his collar would be like down to like his belly button. <laughs> Probably why he's moving so slow. He just his <laughs> muscles just can't quite get there. <laughs> the last thing you want is a soaking wet Freddy Krueger. Ooh, <laughs> I don't know. As a victim, I might because then he just can't chase me. <laughs> That's true. Maybe his powers dissipate when he's wet. I don't know. Nah. We will have to um, wait until we eventually cover Freddy versus Jason to uh, find out. But just as uh, this slow motion wind up to Nancy falling asleep happens, we hear Marge, who is Nancy's mom. Now, I, I'm going to constantly refer to his, her as Nancy's mom because she does not seem like a Marge to me. I forgot her name was Marge. That's not. Yeah, she's not a Marge. No, no she's, she doesn't she's, come she's, across as a Marge. Definitely more like a Brenda. <laughs> Could be like a, a Joyce, maybe. Yeah. Joyce, yeah, yeah. Joyce. Oh, Joyce. Yeah, she's definitely a Joyce. Yeah, yes. I, let's Marge? retcon that bad boy. She's Joyce. <laughs> okay, she's Joyce. <laughs> let's, let's call her. Tap, tap, tap. Case ended. She's Joyce. <laughs> and Joyce uh, informs Nancy that uh, if she falls asleep in the that she shouldn't fall asleep in the tub because people all drown in the tub all the time. And then she goes, "I've heated up some warm milk for you." Oh my Which is disgusting. Just, it's terrible warm milk. This message is brought to you by the Foundation for Lattes. Put some coffee in your warm milk, asshole. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the the, the 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 warm milk making you tired thing, that that seems like an invention entirely for, for television and movies. I have never had, I mean, and I've mentioned this, and I will mention it several more times in the, the course of talking about these movies. I have a lot of sleeping problems. I've had a lot of sleeping problems for a long time. Never been given more milk, never thought of drinking warm milk because that sounds fucking disgusting yeah Yeah, i tried that as well as a kid because i had problems and my grandma would put uh milk in a pan and heat it up and the idea sounded good but the i can't even describe the smell to you i can't i i I would drink i I would sip it like what there's supposed to be like like cocoa in this or something (laughs) it's just like the idea it's a medium for other things it sounds like it could be good, but it just does not translate in real life. It's no, not. No, The last thing you want to do right before you go to Slumberland is have a tall glass <laughs> of warm dairy product. <laughs> Sleep at the dairy. Oh, no. gosh. Yeah, like melt some butter and let it coat, you know, coat your throat. You'd think no. that she would offer her some whiskey, given her, uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, right? who she is and all that, because that would help. Well, she might not have enough because she doesn't want to share. Yeah. So it doesn't matter because Nancy's going to fall asleep in this tub anyways. And in the previous episode, we got to see some pretty effective scare sequences. And this still scares the hell out of me. The whole get pulled down into the dark water and see only one way to get out of it and not be able to quite reach it. That feels very nightmarish to me. Oh, yeah. It's, it's um, another it's another extremely effective, you know, this feels like something 
a person would dream. Yes. Much like the the scene uh, later, I, I don't know that we're going to get to it, where she's going up the stairs and they kind of turn like into like cement oh, yeah. or something like yeah. that. I've had that dream. Yeah, I, that, like, you yeah I've had that dream too. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. very common to have a dream where you, know, you could feel yourself not being able to move and... and you know, and I feel that that as kind of a little cheap as the effect looked, it was it was it was very it really worked very well. Oh, yeah. It's very effective. The idea resonates even if the execution might have been difficult, given the budget limitations. And, and they pull off a lot of stuff really, really well. Like this could look terrible, but they actually pull it off with a plum. Of course, uh, now as an older person, you know, with a family of my own, it also evokes something that is even scarier mm. than a razor-wielding maniac haunting my dreams. And that is the very idea that I will still be pleading with my child to go to fucking sleep already, <laughs> even when he's in high school. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she's about him, that, that Joyce is about a minute from just bopping over the head with a hammer. Just go to <laughs> sleep <laughs> damn it listen i can't really drink when you're awake so you need to go, I need to, sleep. You to, go to sleep so i can just party okay okay like, mama needs vodka now <laughs> mama needs her life is, okay. joyce, is, is joyce the first wine mom Oh, oh yeah. uh, well, I can't definitively say that, but certainly the first wine mom we've encountered. I, I think she's definitely I would have, I, I think what, she would definitely have a, a shirt. If she was around today, she would definitely have a shirt that says rosé all day. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she would have all sorts of alcohol-related shirts from Target. <laughs> In the junior section, because for some reason they're in the junior section a lot of times. Yeah, she would yes. definitely like have a cup that says one tequila, two tequila, three tequila floor. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Can you imagine her just trying to go out on the night with the girls? But it's like, well, she's, you know, she's a single girl. lady now, newly divorced. So, you know, yeah. it makes sense. But you know, I mean, she's I probably not even like that. 50. I mean, go for it. I mean, she's yeah, she's a got a lot of woman. life to drink. <laughs> She's, you know, she's she's not a bad-looking woman, you know? Who knows? Maybe this is her prime. <laughs> she isn't a bad-looking woman, and yet she has found several ways to make her look not so good. <laughs> At one section of this movie, her hair looks like, well, it, it looks bifurcated. On one side, it seems to be one of those Cameron Esposito sideway mullets, which works really well for Cameron, but not a lot for other people. And on the other side of her head, it looks like she combed it with a plunger. <laughs> she might have. She might have gotten really drunk and done that. You never know. I mean, who among <laughs> us? You know, when we've been Maybe this, all of this? Yeah. <laughs> character. Who among us, when we have hit the sauce too much, has, has not you know, attempted to to style our hair with a, with a bathroom implement of some kind? Lord knows that's my Friday night. <laughs> I just don't know what the concept is behind it to have one side be sort of swept away and the other side have a large ball that the Harlem Globetrotters might you know, try to grasp. It's very melodramatic. She's nothing if not that. Uh, but Nancy manages to wake up, uh, and pull herself out of the tub and <laughs> Joyce covers her up with a, a terry cloth robe. There are so many fucking towels in this bathroom. There's like she just keeps like wrapping towels, towels around her. <laughs> She, she wraps one she's like got towels oh. under on top there's 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 five different colors of towels on the rack there's yellow there's blue 
there's tan, there's white. It's just everything. And they're just all, all for different purposes, too. Yes. <laughs> there's also the butterfly on the inside of the medicine cabinet. What the fuck is that I never about? That. I didn't notice it, too, until this. There's a lot of stuff in this section oh, I had never seen before. Okay. I until, see this, until this go around. In fact, let's get to a couple of them. Let's cut to nancy's bedroom we see her trying to stay awake which is hard to do when you're watching the evil dead Ah, watching my honey my husband bruce campbell is my boo bruce in his well it's his baby prime he still Mm -hmm. looks collegiate at that point he's very very tiny very yeah yeah that's true isn't quite grown into that chin but he's about to get there baby <laughs> don't even talk to me about Bruce. Like anybody who knows me knows that he is just everything. So this scene is, is very much respected in my book. So let's talk about instead the things in Nancy's teenage bedroom. Oh, my favorite game. Let's start. Let's start the proceedings with talking about the pillow on the floor, which appears to have a proto Thomas the Tank Engine face on it. <laughs> There's a lot of shit in her bedroom with faces on it. And I don't know what that pillow represents, but it is odd. Next up, we have some sort of pink snake slash dinosaur wearing a prom dress. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that. I was like, I kind of was sort of trying to parse what it was. It's got arms, so it can't be a snake, but it certainly has a snake face. Like, Is that a dinosaur? And if so, why is it dressed so formally? Where is it going? <laughs> the dinosaur does not have to answer to you, Patrick. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I, don't, I don't own that dinosaur. That dinosaur can dress as it likes. And just because it may be dressed in a fancy way doesn't mean that I need to introduce myself to the situation. You're right, Gina. I need to check my privilege. <laughs> One of my favorite things that she is hanging up is the wonderful uh, Johnny Depp headshot. That, uh, <laughs> the, not even just a photo, a full-on headshot. So who knew a Glenn was full an full-on headshot is taped to the wall, but just at the bottom right-hand corner of her police uh, poster. <laughs> so, so they're related. So th- these these two things which have nothing to do with one another other than they all go to the same hairstylist. <laughs> and they're, they're taped up against the wall together. I just want to never... know the, like, the history <laughs> behind the head. Like, how he did he print them? Like, did he print them? Did she print them? Did he do this photo shoot for her? Does he want to be yeah. an actor? Did he go to Barbizon? Like, I don't know why he has a black and white glamour shot, but it's totally, it's not in a frame. It's just fucking taped up on the wall. And then the piece to resistance at the centerpiece of her bed frame here, the headrest, there is some sort of Zuni fetish doll, (laughs) which is attached to the bedpost by its hair as if it is being crucified there. (laughs) Of all the things in all the teenage bedrooms that we have seen so far in this podcast, this is one of the wildest. It does seem like an actual teenager's because there's no fucking rhyme or reason to it. It just makes no sense. She has one band poster and it makes sense for the era, but she doesn't have like 30,000 posters of current movies that are in, in, in movie theaters. Yeah, that's not accurate to the teenage girl's bedroom. I can tell you that for sure. Not that I was ever invited into one. <sighs> <laughs> well, so, it was something. 
<laughs> well, speaking of Glenn and his headshot, uh, it turns out that Glenn is right outside of Nancy's window. So if you don't uh, at first succeed in getting Nancy to do some over the shirt stuff, you know, try, try again. Glenn is apparently wearing velour sweatpants. <laughs> and his and his, uh, and his hair, I, I think, has gotten bigger since the last scene. I think it has. <laughs> he went to the same hairdresser as Joyce. Yes. Uh, whoever is styling the hair on this set is like all volume all the time. It's like dream whip. <laughs> they just like they just like shake that onto your head, onto the actors' heads, and just go to town with like a hand beater. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, as I get older, that just sounds like luxury to have all of the volume in the world, but it doesn't play out as such in the movie. It's not mm, well, it, it never looks as good as it does when she's in the police station after Tina dies. Oh, There's fabulous. Oh my God. It's the best looking <laughs> head of hair I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> We're still talking about it and we may be talking about it for the remainder of this podcast. You know, like when we even, we even move on to other things. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's it's reasonable to say she has the at least as far as a single scene is concerned, she does have the the probably the best hair of, of any character that we've addressed so far on this podcast. Now we've gone on and on about how much we love her here, but yet when Nancy looks at herself in the mirror, she remarks, "Jesus, I look." 20 years old don't even get me started on that <laughs> this is meant to be a bad thing holy uh, fuck i am an old man i mean i get it when you're young because like i said i watched it when i was a child for some reason and i thought oh such an old lady and now that i'm way past 20 i want to slap her across the face and be like bitch wait till you get to be 32 okay <laughs> oh. oh god See nancy enlists then. glenn in a plan in which she's going to look for, quote unquote, someone uh, while Glenn stands guard. And then the scene fades to black. This is the only time in the entire movie where this kind of transition occurs. So part of me wonders if at the time audiences were actually fooled into thinking that when they see her walk out the front door in her pajamas, that she's actually doing that or that this is a dream. I mean, I mean, they, I, they definitely yeah. they definitely get that fog machine rolling. So I think that that's uh, you know indicator number one that this is probably not actually happening. Except that it sort of is. Like like that's that's the that's I think that's kind of the gray area about this movie is that for lack of a better way to to put it that makes sense. You know what is happening in the dream is actually happening, but yeah. not in a conscious state. If that if that makes sense. So I, it, it, yeah, I mean that when, once you're on the dream plane, time moves at a different pace. So what feels like you know takes seven or eight minutes in screen time might actually only be forty five seconds in the real world. Right. I mean, I can see it as being kind of a decoy, you know, especially when Glenn pops out when she says, Glenn, are you still there? Because you could think, oh, maybe she is kind of trying to do some investigation. But then, you know, she sees Tina and then you kind of know, oh, yeah, okay, this is dreamland. But I think it's also just kind of assumed you're watching this movie. So she's likely (laughs) in a dream. Well, you know, something's up because the Nightmare on Elm Street theme has been pitched down to slow samba time. Do, 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 do,
It's like someone turned down the Casio programming. Uh, Nancy walks down one of those well-furnished alleyways that we really haven't seen since Friday the 13th Part 8 until she finally arrives at the fifth precinct. Uh, Apparently, Rod is housed in a cell with a view part of the jail because Nancy's able to peer in uh, on him from the outside. From this vantage point, Nancy watches as Freddy Krueger enters the cell block and passes right through the bars uh, in a very old school processing shot that I have to admit uh, works pretty well. Yeah, it was. I, I was kind of bracing myself for it to be uh, pretty chintzy, but but I, it looks all right. It, it looks all right. Freddy uh, disappears, but Nancy is confronted once again by Tina, still in her opaque body bag. This time, she happens to be standing in a pile of eels uh. and has a millipede jump out of her mouth. Uh. It's grody, y'all. Uh, I don't know where those eels are from. Uh, is that what happens when Freddy kills you? You just become a pile of eels over time? I mean, I it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy it. <laughs> so Nancy freaks out and then yells for Glenn, but she's standing in front of a bush and Freddy jumps out. Now, uh, this is the same bush, of course, that Homer Simpson backs into in your favorite gif. <laughs> and the chase is on. Uh, Nancy is at the top of her evasion game as she gently places a plastic trash can filled with three pieces of construction paper in the oncoming <laughs> path of Freddy. We haven't quite seen this sort of evasion game since the original Friday the 13th when a woman threw cardboard boxes to the side of her assailant. Can I just say that run of hers? I she runs so funny. I don't know if it's a Dreamland specific run or if that's just how she runs in real life, but that's not how you get away. I, I assume that it's like slow motion tripping and falling that she she's trying to pull herself forward, but her feet are heavy. That sort of deal. It doesn't quite come across the way they want it to and as a result it's not exactly the most high speed chasing we've ever seen i mean we're not exactly putting it in the same breath as vanishing point bullet anytime soon <laughs> uh this is also where we see the stairs become oatmeal uh mm-hmm. as she tries to climb them and then someone breaks through the window of the front door and this is where freddie apparently has some sort of Mission Impossible style Tina face. <laughs> it's like barely <laughs> hanging on to him. Though. I, I don't I, this whatever they were trying to pull off. It doesn't quite work. It's not. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like they looped her voice in later too. like, oh, OK, he's trying to trick her new into into thinking it's Tina. And it's like, yeah, no, that no one's buying that. Freddie. No one yeah. is, is buying that that 99 cent store mask yeah it's, it's like a really crappy texas chainsaw thing he's trying to do yeah there it, it, it looks fake it, it doesn't look real they don't attempt to make it look real and he's it's still freddy's arm clad in the sweater and the glove so i know it's not tina unless you actually put her in the getup so why not just do that Unless he was just trying to taunt her and just be kind of like, look at me, like he does when he cuts his fingers sort of thing. I don't know. I wish they had uh, really uh, pulled that together. It's not exactly a Beetlejuice reveal. It's Um, okay. I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide for the rest of the movie. (laughs) Well, that's okay because we're about to get to what I think we can all equate with the best 
uh, and greatest on-screen brawls. This is one hell of a fist fight that happens inside of Nancy's bedroom between Freddie and Nancy. It's a real slobber knocker. It's a you can almost hear Jr. in the background yelling "My God!" <laughs> while it's happening. <laughs> Basically, they flop on top of one another for two minutes straight. It's very just a lot of rolling around, a lot of feathers going all over the place. <laughs> no one's getting laid. I was it's just... basically my sophomore year. <laughs> to say, there's a lot of, you know, soft romantic imagery if you really get down to it, but it's not, it does not uh, play that way. Yeah. It shouldn't. Of, but it's a lot of over the pants stuff happening. Here. Yeah. A lot of stuff I, I wish with... happened in my life. And when, she, when she holds up, when she holds up the pillow, he does this kind of like little like, Eh, kind of swat at it. It's like, <laughs> I always laugh at that when she holds the pillow and she just looks terrified like she thinks it's going to protect her. And he's just like, I have four knives. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, the entire time she's yelling for Glenn, who had one fucking oh my job. God. Glenn, you jerk. I... <sighs> Typical, typical Glenn is what well, I Well, luckily for us, modern technology is on the case because Nancy's alarm clock goes off. <laughs> And it wakes her up. But of course, when Glenn climbs out of the window, she happens to notice a single free roaming feather, meaning, wait a second, that was in my dream and now it is outside of my dream. What does that mean? This is where Nancy's mom, Marge slash Joyce, checks in. And from her getup appears to have been managing a saloon on the set of Gunsmoke. It's uh, it's a lot of silk billowous. Um, it's gathered in some odd places. I, the costuming here leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what they were trying to go for. Was Joyce is often in a house coat, like at all, at all, at all hours of the day, and that that's never a a, a that's never a good sign of of, of yeah. where your life is at a, at a particular moment. If you are just at all hours of the day found in a, wearing a house coat in the this section of the movie, uh, she is straight up wearing pajamas in the middle of the fucking day. I just, just feel like she has a giant pile of clothes that she never hangs up, but she has like maybe <laughs> one dress that she does, and she just mm-hmm. grabs what she can when she can. So like she does laundry, but she just piles it up on top of the dryer. That sort of yeah, maneuver. Yeah. Cut to Nancy and Glenn running across down to the fifth precinct in reality to check on a slumbering rod. Turns out that they're too late, no matter what they try to convince the uh, various you know people behind the the police uh, station. Uh, counter the uh, uh, ubiquity. No matter how what stage of balding they are, no one will be convinced <laughs> to check on Rod. Yeah, these are the uh, the ubiquitous horror movie indifferent cops. They're every cop in every horror movie could not give a shit if you were if you offered them in trade for for McDonald's coupons about like <laughs> the killer is on the loose. Um, you might have the wrong guy. You know, the killer is is somewhere in this police precinct. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Sips coffee. I'm on my. It's I'm I'm almost done my shift. You know, I mean, this is. I I don't know if Black Christmas started that, but it's definitely it's it's like second to the to the medical examiner eating a sandwich while performing <laughs> autopsy. Just cops who just there's there's either they either care too much about like and always focus on the wrong person i.e. Nancy's dad or or mm-hmm. they just could not 
care a, a whit about what's going on, who's being killed, who's doing the killing. Where's the killer? I don't know. It's my coffee break. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, one, no one does it better than John Saxon. I will tell That's you that. Right. And all of his many cop roles that he plays throughout his career. <laughs> this is where we discover that Rod has reacquired shoes when the bedsheet uh, manages to wrap itself around his neck, drag him across his cell up to the uh, rafters, as it were, and hang him very quickly. He loses, <laughs> I guess it snaps his neck. Is that the impression I'm supposed to get? I think uh, there's a sound effect, but I'm not I positive. I would imagine. Again, a pretty good effect. A pretty good effect. No, it's, I mean, that's basically a puppet and they, they figure it out. I think they shoot it in reverse. I don't know. I think it's just the scene where it's wrapping around his neck that they shot in reverse to get that look. And it works. They're they're definitely feeding a wire through one of those shots because you can kind of see it poking out. But I think that's really only since the advent of sort of high def technology that you can really see it that closely. R.I.P.D. Rod. Up your nose with a rubber hose <laughs> uh, into the heavens. May may your life be full of cocaine saunas. He is one of the few to actually not see Freddy as he's being killed, along with uh, Rick from part four and, and Travis from part six. This is so. true. It, it's a phantom. Uh, I would uh, be mad as an actor because I'd want Freddy to, to kill me on screen, but... It's effective, nonetheless. I do like at Rod's funeral that the, uh, that the that the priest basically, you know, more or less says something like, "Well, you know, when you're a dirty murderer, you get murdered." You know, <laughs> <laughs> with his, with like you know Rod Rod's parents just sitting right there. You know? <laughs> uh, this this funeral. Is, there's a lot to be said about it. First of all, I wrote down almost immediately, oh, this is Hollywood Forever Cemetery because it oh, looks yeah. exactly like it. And of course, for those who are not L.A. residents, Hollywood Forever is the resting place of Valentino, uh, Judy Garland, Mickey Rooney, Johnny Ramone, the original Alf Alpha from The Little Rascals. Uh, just to name a few, but uh, Hollywood Forever is along Santa Monica Boulevard. We love it! to the north <laughs> and uh, Paramount lot to the south. But it actually turns out that is not the case. Both this sequence and the funeral sequence in Shocker were filmed at Evergreen Cemetery, hmm. way out in Riverside. It's uh, adjacent to where the Ren Fair is every fucking year. Uh, <laughs> one year I got a rash so bad between my thighs oh, I and this Ren Fair. I, I literally spent two days legs akimbo. They got to warn you. They got to warn you when you go to the Ren Fair. You, you yes. don't wear your woolen jodfers to to a uh, <laughs> to a Ren Fair in Los Angeles in the summer. <laughs> Why oh my would God. they have a Ren Fair in the summer? Speaking of, <laughs> anyway. It's a terrible idea. No one wants to eat a turkey leg in August. In 110 degree weather. It sounds no. lovely. But for some reason... We never see Tina's funeral, but we're right in the middle of Rod's. So they got to bury that bad boy quick. <laughs> there are 17 people total in attendance at Rod's funeral. So I guess, you know, his funeral ceremony has a lot in common with his dick. It's small and intimate. Oh. <laughs> I'm not the one who came up with the joke. <laughs> you can blame Tina for that one. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Rod's mother is wearing ludicrous teardrop Carrera sunglasses. Uh, apparently, she's going to put out a mob hit later on today. But his, but his, and yet his father looks like a member of the Jode family. He, he just, he just looks like he fell off of a, uh, off of a uh, wheat picking truck or, or something like that. Like he was working on the railroad, and they told him, "Oh, your son died. Come on home." All right. He rode the rails with a straw hat in hand right up to Riverside. He just looks like he's going to lean over and like spat some chaw on the ground. And uh, Rod Sr. shares a really intense glance with Lieutenant Thompson uh, when the priest mentions live by the sword, die by the sword. Don't want, like, when, the priest, what? when the priest says, don't want no shit, don't start no shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, really, I want a priest to say at my funeral. So, <laughs> I bet consider it done if I'm found. still in this mortal coil. Yes, uh, Father, I speak jive. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, after the funeral is over, Nancy is escorted back to her mom's Volvo. Mom should not be driving. Oh She's very inebriated. Uh, this is where we first get the idea that Nancy knows that. Freddie or someone named Freddie or some Freddie-like person exists and that they're all sort of having the same dream and that he has knives like giant fingernails and John Saxon is again like, who, what, what, where? I didn't burn anyone alive. My favorite uh, line delivery in the entire series uh, is Joyce when she says, uh, what is it like? I'm going to find some help. Like how dramatic she is in this scene is just everything. She is in a different movie entirely. Yes, especially in this scene. It's You could tune in and think you're watching like a, a Days of Our Lives. Yes. I think. Uh, cut to the Katya Institute for the Study of Sleep Disorders for kids who don't sleep good and want to do other things good. <laughs> This is where we find Charles Fleischer, MD. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because he probably won your heart as the voice of Roger Rabbit or creeped you the fuck out in Zodiac. Turns out that the nurse in the sequence is played by Wes Craven's wife, who has a really new wave haircut. Interesting. That haircut really should come pre-installed with a member of the Human League just off camera talking about how they found you as a cocktail waitress at a cocktail bar. <laughs> That's where she's going after this. That's her <laughs> That's nightlife. Right. Well, this That's is her night, night job. <laughs> When she's not at the sleep institute, Nancy is going to do a sleep study here. And I assume hoping that she can get her insurance to fund a sleep apnea machine. I don't know how things work. Not back then in Ohio. If this movie is actually supposed to take place in Ohio, it is doing a terrible job of covering that. Well, especially in the previous funeral scene where you can count six or seven palm trees in the background. (laughs) (laughs) There's some things that are amiss in this sleep study set. First of all, and now I'm no scientist, mostly because I flunked out of community college, but should a sleep study occur in the middle of the day (laughs) or at least in a room where the fucking blinds are closed? I don't know. Yeah, no, generally speaking, they they do follow normal human sleeping patterns. Also, (laughs) she falls asleep in about 15 seconds, (laughs) which which, which, she's really tired. I mean, mean, this is an excuse. Yeah, yeah, I I guess. But I I think that they kind of had a vague idea of how sleep studies work. And and Joyce is like, what is a dream anyway? (laughs) 
<laughs> this is where yeah charles fleischer goes we don't know what <laughs> dreams are. Are they fantasy? Like he starts waxing poetic and then the scene just sort of dies. And you're left focused on Joyce as she lights up a cigarette indoors. In the, in the hospital room. Of, in <laughs> a hospital. Doctor's room. Her hair looks like she should be pleading with Darth Vader not to blow up Alderaan. <laughs> And this is where we get to one of those moments where I go, this is where this is why I started this podcast on the wall. Just beyond Dr. Charles Fleischer is a poster of what appears to be a San Francisco Vista and a human sized cat (laughs) hanging outside of a cable car wearing what looks to be Robin Williams red Hawaiian shirt. (laughs) What? The living fuck is this doing in a doctor's office? And what does it mean? I gotta see this. I will be I will put it up. I will share it with you both. Hold on. Okay, I see it. Hang on a second. I'm not quite there. What? Yeah, that's that's what's happening in that picture. There's also a cat driving the cable car. (laughs) It's hanging outside of a cable car. And there's also a, it's also a picture underneath it of what appears to be a werewolf running on r- running on its on its uh, two legs. Yeah, I yeah I I don't know what that is. I don't know what Camp Crystal Lake is doing behind Ronnie Blakely, but it's a monster-sized kitten hanging on the outside of a cable car with the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. And the cat is wearing some sort of like George Jetson on a Hawaiian holiday shirt. I think the I think my favorite part is that there's another cat operating the cable car. <laughs> and he's he's also part. kind of got his like his the other cat's got his kind of his paw kind of casually hanging out. You know, like when you're driving, <laughs> and you got that left arm on the uh, on the on the window. And you get all sunburned and shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they call they call that a trucker tan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are they in Cats for Cisco? What? How is this happening? Why? Why is he dressed like Magnum PI? Why not? I mean, <laughs> if you're going to San Francisco and you're and you're, he's clearly a tourist because he's on the cable car. And I mean, you know, as much as Hollywood would like to tell us different, I'm pretty sure your average you know, San Franciscan does not travel regularly via cable car. So, you know, the the the, the cat's on vacation. He's seeing the sights. And of course, he's going <laughs> to going to wear his best tourist shirt (laughs) that has to be some kind of inside joke with the crew or something because that makes what could that joke possibly be like a college dorm callback i don't even know who is it possible that maybe he's supposed to be like a doctor for children because that does seem she is she is technically she is technically a child i mean she would she would still be seeing like pediatricians and shit but 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 the the children would never be in this part of the office that's true like this is like like the room with all the equipment in it you wouldn't have kids inside of here unless he's also (laughs) subletting it to a daycare I feel like he's just very proud of that decoration. Like I said, I'm kind of focused on the the werewolf drawing right right, right underneath it. Yeah, there's some sort of lycanthrope 
saying hanging with with blood dripping with, out of with it. Oh an amazing, with an amazing booty. I mean, look at that thing. Yes. Is he carrying boot? Oh no, that's never mind. That's a design. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that butt. <laughs> I, I mean, that werewolf has been doing squats. Yeah. It's an active that werewolf. Werewolf would be blowing up on Instagram right now. Oh gosh. You're keeping all this, is. right? This is this is staying. Oh. No, this is this is this is, this is what I've been looking forward to for three days. I've been sitting on this. This is all I've wanted to talk about. I tried to bring it up in the car with Becky, and she's like, "I don't. I I told you I don't want to talk about this. It's ludicrous." It's like those highlights kids like find the 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 image in the like the <laughs> like the Where's Waldo kind of thing because like there's just this creeper cat peering out from the driver's seat and I bet you you could find like a fork or something in there like <laughs> it's just find find the object picture. It's like if you can if you can find the craziest fucking thing on my wall, guess what you're saying. I just want to reach into the screen and just with a sharpie and just write "Hang in there, baby" across the across the because <laughs> that's what it's that's all it's lacking. Maybe it said um, that, but they had to black it out or edit it out for copyright reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Nancy begins to have a nightmare, and when she wakes up from it, she has a gray streak in her hair, and she also has dragged Freddie's hat out from her dream, which. No one seems surprised okay. by. That is the thing that I had so many words about. I don't understand this at all. That not only, yeah, she comes out with gray hair, brings out a hat. She brings out a fucking hat from her, where, her vagina? Who knows? And <laughs> no one seems to notice. It's like, oh, you're a magician. And I just like... I just picture Freddie in the dream world just being like, what the hell? Where's <laughs> just like, like, I'm surprised no one says, you go to sleep with a hat? <laughs> I, I, I like Freddie's self-conscious. No, I, I, I think I was that. more surprised by the fact that he writes his, he wrote his name inside the hat. That, 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 <laughs> that, <laughs> seems, that, that just seems like. Who else is going to pick up that he's hat? He's very friend. territorial. Like that, dis- <laughs> that disgusting felt hat. He, he thought he had the foresight to write his name in it. I just picture somebody finding it and be like, are you Fred? <laughs> Here's your hat. Are, are you the gross person who has this gross hat? I think it's yours. I'm not going to keep it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it's got yeah. bed bugs in it by the look of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, if you find a hat on the ground. Are you going to pick it up? You're not going to pick up that no. hat. <laughs> I mean, no, that's a dead hat to me. You're going to like, you're gonna, you're gonna, like kind of kick that towards the, the street and you know, maybe a car will run it over and then I don't have to worry about this hat anymore. <laughs> yeah, that is somebody else's street hat problem. It's just funny because if you watch the scene and she talks about Freddie and the hat, all the doctors and the nurses are literally just, they're just standing with blank faces like, oh, see this every day. Like, <laughs> they don't seem phased at all. It's like they've seen people pull hats out of their thighs all the time <laughs> this is this is very common people do that all the time i i had i had a man just last week who just you know just, a, a spatula just appeared in his hand why did this happen we don't know we'll never know yes. God. listen i had a, a nine-year-old kid pull a trucker hat out of his armpit last week this is part of the sleep study process let's cut back to 1428 elm street where we learn uh, that the Thompsons have a painting of Hieronymus Bosch on the wall? Sure, why not? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, um, this is a family that has a sledgehammer out in full view on, in their nightmare basement. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, really, really, this we, we know that this is Chekhov's sledgehammer. Absolutely, they're pointing to it. But but uh, yeah, they've got they've got the even though it's their house, and you know these are the the good guys. It's still this dank, very cluttered, you know, enormous basement that, of course, has the requisite just random Christmas decorations laying about like uh, like as every nightmare basement seems to have this mm. have a random like like uh you know one of those plastic blow mold christmas decorations <laughs> right and and just this like you know and like a, a furnace that looks like a crematorium which i guess really it was you know but i mean yeah, well, that, really, that probably yeah. that that probably wasn't his intended purpose but it works, you know, like any furnace in a storm, really. When Nancy walks into the scene, past uh, the painting of the Renaissance uh, oh, gosh, <laughs> nightmare like surrealist, Joyce tries to hide the largest bottle of vodka I've ever seen in my life. I mean, <laughs> it's like you'd build a ship inside the fucking thing. And meanwhile, Nancy's glugging coffee uh, as fast as she possibly can. Uh, she asks if the police department has done anything with that felt hat she found between her thighs and joyce is like forget it i burned that hat we're not talking about hats and then nancy just pulls it out of the junk drawer yeah, like she, she knew it was, it was there, there the whole time it's yeah how did she know it was there unless she saw her put it in there and if she did at that point i'd be like mom you crazy like get rid of this <laughs> this is where she looks inside the hat and she says does this name sound familiar Fred Krueger. Fred Krueger, mom. Fred Krueger. <laughs> Joyce is wearing pajamas in the middle of the fucking day. Like, it is, at best, 1230. She's had a long... I mean, I'm not going to lie. She, she's had <laughs> a long morning of, of moving a cocktail shaker back and forth. <laughs> if I could wear pajamas, though, all day, I would probably choose to do so myself. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yes. I'm wearing pajamas Don't right now. Don't her for that. Listen, <laughs> I, I chose a profession in which I did not have to wear pants that's the goal I went out of my way that's the life but i don't think she's working so <laughs> right. she is a professional single mom <laughs> <laughs> and by single mom she's raising a glass of vodka to her lips oh, man poor joyce cut to the canals of venice california oh i'm sorry i ohio Oh. This is the canals of Ohio. That feature palm trees. Giant palm trees. <laughs> this is where we learn a couple things. One is Glenn eats when he's nervous, which I do not believe. He bro he blow away in a breeze this way. He, is, he is just hair and doe eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's just I hate I hate I honestly hate how pretty he is in this. Because he's a very I, pretty person. I, I just I, I hate what he's done to himself and what he's become. And he's just, he's, it's like, it's like looking, it's like watching old movies with Mickey Rourke in them. It's like, oh, how could, God, how no. could you do this to yourself? How could you let this happen to your face? Your face is Yeah. I mean, you're, and it just, you know, Johnny Depp's like, he's just turned into like beef jerky. And it's not even, I mean, uh, you know, far be it for me to criticize anyone for aging. And it's not natural aging with him. I mean. No, 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 no. We know he's that. He sucked a lot of soul out of his body. Yeah. And yeah, he, he's, he, he's done a few things in his life. Yeah. Yeah, he looks Probably. a little bit like like he's kind of halfway. Remember the movie Life Force? Mm -hmm. He looks kind of halfway in the process of having his life force <laughs> sucked out of him. But that's because yeah, there's been a lot of space vampires working on him one way or the other. It's it's but it's, it's also happens. because he's just, you know, his his you know, his soul is bad and and 
you know, he's just a bad person. But here it's just like, I, I can't even look at you. You're just, you're so innocent and pretty. And I can't, I can't bear to think about what's going to happen to you down the line. It's unfortunate, but he comes uh, armed with some, some information that Nancy's going to come in handy. It's going to come in handy for her. Basically you could call it Chekhov's turn your back on the monster to take away his power plan. <laughs> Uh, he tells us all about the Balinese method of dreaming. Yeah, he, Glass, uh, Glass seems to know a lot more about dreaming than the sleep specialist does. I know. <laughs> yes, he does. The sleep specialist is like, yeah, well, we don't know what dreaming is. You know? <laughs> and then we'll again, never know. When the sleep specialist with that poster hanging up, I would have second thoughts. I, I, have dubi- I have dubious about this sleep specialist credentials. <laughs> I don't think he's really a sleep specialist. Yeah, he's more, listen, he's more into dishwasher repair, but they needed someone in the <laughs> sleep specialist this week. So he's covering for Larry. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nancy is doing a little light rating with a book entitled Booby Traps and Improvised Anti-Personnel Devices. The cover of this book was laid out by a madman. It is a real graphic design is my passion moment with booby traps sandwiched all the way to the lower right hand side and then the ampersand all the way over on the right. (laughs) (laughs) It's laid out. Like, how would you get that it's called booby traps and improvised anti-personnel devices when, and it should read, and improvised anti-personnel devices booby traps. (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot of smoke coming out of do not room. dead open was, inside I think. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and improvised anti-personal devices booby traps <laughs> I, I, it also kind of looks like a trapper keeper all i'm saying is it's not the best laid out cover like it wouldn't really grab your eye in the way it, you it definitely looks a little amazon self-published well, they're trying to be very artsy, but it did not work out for them. Uh, why is Nancy reading this book? I'm into survival, she says. Uh, and that is when Glenn says, you're starting to scare me, as Nancy just walks away from him. These two people have been awake for so long, they can't even operate like human beings anymore. <laughs> That's like uh, in the movies where you're on the phone and you don't even say goodbye. You just hang up no matter what the conversation <laughs> is. You could be talking about your dead mom. You could be talking about what you had for dinner and you just hang up mid conversation. Yeah. She just walks the fuck away to the other side of the canal. Like I'm done with this. I have to walk to West Hollywood now. Bye. bye <laughs> I have to go to there. This is, I think where we're, we're going to leave it for now. Uh, as much as I would like to talk about this movie endlessly with the both of you. But before we say our goodbyes, Alyssa, uh, where can people find more about you uh, out there in the world? Well, I can be found on the Instagrams, Alyssa Wag. It's E-L-I-S-S-A because people don't know how to spell that all the time. That's fine. Uh, Twitter, Ginger Demore. And I just post a lot of pictures of, you know, horror stuff and my dogs. So that's cool. Um, I also have a podcast in the works with Amalia. She is a director, ugh, director, photographer. She's a creator of Year of Fear Calendar and Poltergeist and Paramore Lingerie. It's called Succubus Syndrome, where we talk about horror movies and sex and just basically what hot messes we are. And it's awesome. And uh, yeah, just living life. Excellent. Do it today, people. <laughs> Check it out. All right. Uh, 
Gina, mm-hmm. uh, where can people find you on these here internets? I write about old TV and movies and pop culture at my own website, which is GinaRadcliffe.com. Uh, I am also a, uh, a writer at The Spool, um, which is a you know, formerly Alcohol Hollywood. Uh, it's a really, it should be launching, I think, when this ep- same day this episode will go live. So you can look for me there. And I am on Twitter um, under Porcelain72. And of course, uh, we have to thank all of our lovely supporters. Uh, Gina, why don't you update us on what's happening when it comes to Patreon? Well, I'm going to put my sad voice on because we do not have any new Patreon supporters. What? Give me your monies, people. Yeah, just don't, 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 you know, don't make me have to talk in this voice. Come on. <laughs> just give us a little bit of money. Just $2 will get you, will get you our monthly bonus episodes. It'll get you our newsletter. And if you're a $10 subscriber, you get to pick a movie for us to watch. Our first uh, our first go at that was The Visitor, which was a uh, a tab of acid that the both of us <laughs> alternately loved and hated sitting through. Um pr- yes. probably one of our I I I'm going to say probably one of our funniest episodes, mostly because we yes. were, you know, very much you know doing the whole how did this get made? What is this movie? Just, you know, <laughs> railing to the heavens but yeah th- that's what you're missing if you're not a uh a patreon supporter so just look for us under uh at patreon.com slash kill by kill and we understand if uh, you might not have uh all the pennies that you want to to toss at your favorite podcast there are plenty of ways to help support us here at kill by kill uh one way is to rate and review us on itunes Plenty of people have, but we can always use more because that helps us be seen and heard by more people. Uh, In just this uh, little bit, we've had a couple new reviews, including one from C-Rib, which reads, uh, This podcast is a road flare of light shining in the dark through a dude's throat. (laughs) 10 out of 10 would follow the host to space to hell or to whatever Canadian lake somehow connects with the East River. And wherever this franchise may lead, thank you ever so much. We also will have one from Hammy8450, which reads, My favorite kill is when Jason is, quote-unquote, killed in the seventh movie by the undead, physically and verbally abusive father. My only question is, why wasn't the dad's body recovered from the lake when he died there so many years earlier? And how did his members-only jacket stay looking so fresh? (laughs) I need answers! And it's, of course... Because he was a fan of train and space shuttle technology, and that's what allowed him to keep so well-preserved for so many years underneath that lake. (laughs) Inexplicably a train and space shuttle fan. That floppy-haired dad who would beat people up. And so, uh, of course, you can reach out to us on Twitter at KillByKillPod, on Instagram, KillByKillPodcast. We have the Facebook page and group where you can read more and talk with us in depth about every single episode. But that just about does it for this particular section of the movie don't worry folks the body count will continue so until next time for myself for gina and for Alyssa, bye bye everybody
Kill by Kill is produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. A Nightmare on Elm Street is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill's logos were created by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.